just so important for me to know you as an individual and understand the best foods that are for you. So that's number one in my book. Actually, that's number two. Number one is it's got to be tasty because no matter what I'm giving you, if you don't eat it, it's like anything. It's like a, a customer coming to Bar Bend, right? If they, don't, if they don't like it, they may try. If they don't like it, they're not coming back, right? No matter what product or you know, readership, whatever you're providing, they're not going to come back. So if it's not tasty, they're not going to come back. Number two, yes, it's got to be specific to them, specifically when they're athletes. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to chef, entrepreneur, and athlete Dan Churchill. Dan has been featured on MasterChef Australia, Good Morning America, The Food Network, and more. He's also the mastermind behind the restaurant Charlie Street in New York City. Dan also has a master's in exercise science, so he exists at an interesting nexus between fitness and nutrition. Today, Dan joins us to talk about fueling for performance based on your lifestyle and goals. Now let's get to the show. Dan, I know we've connected off of the podcast a few different times, so it's nice to finally have you on. How are you doing today? Dude, I'm pumped to be hanging out with you, bro. I always, I always get excited, particularly when I have a bit more of a deeper connection with people on a podcast. So, you know, I feel like I'm taking the time to talk to people that I actually just want to have a coffee with. So I'm, uh, I'm stoked to hang out with you, man. Well, I need to ask the most robotic, pre-scripted questions possible now and just make it sure, super, sure. super formal now. I'm, I'm absolutely joking. <laughs> How good. So, How good. So, Dan, I, I was having some trouble here because I was telling my team who I was recording with today, and they know who you are, but the question was brought up, how would you describe Dan to someone who has no idea who he is? Because you wear a lot of different hats, right? And there are so many directions we could go. So what is like your elevator pitch for who you are right now? I think I constantly struggle with this every single day when people are like, what do you do who don't know what I do? And so at the most simple basic form, I am a chef. I think that's, you know, my, my bones, if you will. But I've got a, brought a bit of a point of difference in the fact that I've got a master's in exercise science. So I'm able to work with athletes and speak on the performance level. So my day-to-day is never day-to-day. Uh, one day I could be in the restaurant, other days... I have my own content team that, you know, is a massive specialty in your world as well. So we, you know, have a, a pretty solid amount of distribution of content, pretty much alluding to the fact of performance-based nutrition. So, yeah, man, you got that. Obviously, having a restaurant makes me a restaurateur. I write books. But ultimately, I'm a chef, an Aussie dude who loves to surf. I think that's the best way to put it. That that's you're you're playing into the stereotype, but we'll we'll definitely allow. It. That's a okay. <laughs> well, tell us about the restaurant before we dive into your background. Uh, tell us about like the restaurant. Where are you lo- Where is it located? Like, what's the focus? You're calling in from there right now, right? Yeah, man. So I've uh, I've actually got two offices. The the office I'm currently in is the actual, I guess, the administrative office. I also have my studio kitchen, which is my fun office, where it's like all the content and the podcasting stuff are done, but. We are in New York City. Charlie Street is the name of the restaurant. We're down in Nolita, so down towards towards the downtown version of Manhattan. And we've got a pretty cool little Aussie community who 
been here for three and a bit years, helped us through COVID. Uh, we've helped them through COVID, through making sure they got their coffee, through, you know, also being able to get out of the house, if you will. But, uh, mate, the, the concept of Charlie Street is very much a plant-forward approach. It's not a plant-exclusive. It's a plant-forward approach where if you were to take, like, a surfy-style beachy cafe to New York City and help people be inspired to eat tasty food and not care what it's actually inside, that's what Charlie Street's all about. Honestly, amazing coffee, sick breakfast and lunch options that are super colorful. Like we're talking, um, like you got this thing called the naughty eggs, which is two post eggs on this tree so that we make it's made out of plants. Uh, and then on toast with uh, hummus, or well, you got classic avocado toast. You can't go wrong with that. But yeah, little things like that, man. And, you know, soon we'll be doing dinners, but it's a, it's a pretty cool, awesome thing to have a, a cafe in, in no leader of New York City. Well, I was going to ask, what do you recommend people get there like they're coming for a coffee and they're coming for a bite to eat so those are two good dishes like say i'm a tourist say i'm a tourist in new york city which i have not been for a long time and i'm looking for a good cup of coffee and i'm looking for like a good lunch maybe something that's like gonna fill me up but like i got a lot of walking and sightseeing to do after this right so nothing crazy heavy Naughty Eggs is, of all the things we have, would be the one closest to putting you to sleep although it wouldn't <laughs> because it's not filled with crap but I would honestly say, surprisingly, our oatmeal is pretty delicious and it's a PB&J oatmeal, but I'd actually, I'd actually skew towards our waffles, man. I know that sounds weird, but our waffles are relatively light uh, with our cashew-based cream, cheese, like we've got this epic blueberry compote on top, fresh strawberries. Uh, and the waffles themselves are made out of nothing but goodness, like good quality gluten-free flour, got in there some apple jam. They're also plant-based as well. So I'd say get that and get like right now I'd say a long black because our humbler espresso man is pretty sexy. Okay, waffles or pancakes? This is this is like the ultimate. I have my Ooh. opinions. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bias you yet, but you have to pick one, and the other is wiped off the face of the earth. Waffles or pancakes? Oh, dude! Ah, oh, shivers! Ah. Uh... Man, I grew up with pancakes. I really did, but I did, never got exposed to waffles until really being in America. I feel torn here. Um, shit, I'm, 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 I'm going to say I'm going to say waffles just because we have pretty bold waffles and no pancakes. Waffles, they're crispier, more surface area for more flavor. You know, you can. I think you just get more flavor out of out of the same amount of of batter. You know what I mean? That's just my. That's my. Yeah. Opinion. Right. No, it's but a smart move, man. Smart I'm, move. I'm probably going to lose podcast listeners from, from from that from that one <laughs> statement. It's so controversial. So you're 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 big on performance nutrition. You're also a chef. Which which kind of was your first of those two passions? Right? Was it was it fitness and wellness and activity, or was it was it food and becoming a chef? And and I'm curious because people tend to combine their passions in cool ways, which you're really doing, and I, I have mad respect for that. But like. What was first in the life cycle of Dan Churchill? Man, as you were asking that question, I was like, oh, it was clear this. And then I'd like recite back, was that actually it was this? And then I'd think that and then I'd come back to the next one. I'm like, wow, it's like it actually tic-tac and toed all the way through pretty much from my adolescence. So like, I guess I, honestly, it started out as being a chef and not paid, but I would cook for my family at a young age, right? So like that's, that start, I didn't, I didn't train my, t- my family, but I cooked for them. And then I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I loved sport and loved exercise. And so I wanted to help human performance more. So I studied that and then got, as a result of my master's degree, an internship. So I was actually professionally probably in that uh, field first. But then as that was going on, that actually 
allowed me to open up opportunities in the food space by applying the knowledge of the exercise science with my practicality of food. And so then food came about. So I'd say like in the amount of, amount of ways, food was my passion first, exercise came second, exercise launched my career into a professional environment, but then food elevated that even more by giving me a strong point of difference. But then it wasn't as if the food was the point of difference. It's now that the exercise science is the point of difference of the food, if that makes sense. It does. And forgive me because I actually don't know the story here, but why uh, you're, you're, you're an Aussie. That much is, uh, that much is, is clear and, and, and I hope proud, so by now. <laughs> proud of it, rightfully. But why, why the move to the US? Because I know Australia has fantastic food, fantastic coffee culture, and a really sick physical culture, like a really good, a sick in a good way. Physical culture, so many, I mean, we cover a lot of sports and a lot of strength sports at Bar Bend, and we have a huge Australian readership, right? So, why combine those two passions and, and further your career here in New York City? Dude, it's actually part of the reason why you just stated where it is. Australia is awesome. Australia is a place that I'm like legitimately so proud to like. It's one of the first things that whenever it's, oh, you're Australian, I'm like, I'm so proud. It's like, yeah, I am. I mean, it's, I legitimately think it's pretty cool. Like, I do. Like, I love the beach. I love my friends who grew up with. I love the way that I was brought up. I really do. For that reason, as I was given an opportunity to come here, I was like, I, I've always wanted to kind of represent my nation in something. And I, I thought initially it was sport. But also like now, looking back on the six years I've been here, I'm, I'm being given opportunities to really talk. Every time I get to talk, like right now, I'm talking about how awesome Australia is. Maybe one listener is like, you know what? I, I am going to finally pull the trigger and, and purchase a ticket to get down under. And that's kind of cool for me because I have... I'm so proud about this nation representing them in a way that I actually have influence in getting people to, you know, see something so exciting that may trigger something better for themselves. Um, and then like legitimately, you know, in a couple of weeks I'll be going out to LA to represent tourism Australia in a cooking event. So like there's all these different things that I'm super stoked about. At the same time, coming to America, America's, you know, I think Australia's got 25, 26 million people in total, you know, America 380, I think the numbers are relatively now. So like, the opportunity for me to do some really cool stuff in this world is really maximized and, and um, you know, it helps me exceed my potential when in this in this city and, and, and in this country. I'm also six hours from Europe, which makes things a lot easier if I want to travel, although I haven't been able to, but I will be. Um, but yeah, man, I got offered an opportunity and I, I dare say it, at the time of when this happened, I did envision opening a restaurant, having studio kitchen space down below to have like a creative outlet. I, I do doubt whether people would be receptive to that in Australia as they are in America, right? maybe back then and maybe not so much now, but the, the age of YouTube, TikTok, pod, podcasting, LinkedIn, it's just different now. And, and I think being in America just always offered me that, I think, initial leg up to then represent Australia in the way that I've always wanted to. Well, let's talk about your approach. We've kind of, I've kind of skirted around the central question, which is your approach to combining performance and nutrition. I know you're someone who's very plant forward in your cooking, not plant exclusive, right? This is not, you know, people can visit your restaurant if, and they, they can get some fantastic animal-based proteins, for example, but you are very plant forward in the content you're, you're putting out, the food you're making in your restaurant. Talk about that approach and how that's evolved with your performance mindset over the years. Yeah, man. So if we were to look at studies, both you know, omnivorous and not, I dare say there's not a study that's been presented that's cohesively saying that 
plants are bad for you. And in fact, I think one of the biggest points of difference we see in human performance in general, whether you're athletic, whether you're a professional athlete or not, is defined by how many different types of plants you get. Yes, we talk about protein. Yes, we talk about a source of carbohydrates. But through the work of you know, many amazing scientists um, and research papers and, and, and as such, it's pretty evident that plants are pretty important in our metabolic pathways. And so with that being said, I think for me, my approach is super bio-individualized. So like I'm big on bio-individuality as a whole. When I get approached by an athlete, a team or a cohort or just an individual in general, I always look at them specifically as them. Now, my point for that is purely that there's a study that looked at in the UK, it was the UK Twins Registry. It, they study twins over there and it helps us understand microbiota differences as such. And one of the things I looked at was that. They looked at the fact that despite having DNA that is exactly the same, being identical twins, they look different over the years. And it was because of their variance in microbiome, amongst a few other things, but mainly in the microbiome, that caused the phenotype or the physical characteristics to be different. And so despite their DNA being the same, their microbiota differences, and through that, the epigenetics and the way that their actual DNA were read, it was exactly what caused the differences. And so for me, I look at that and go, well, what, what really applies our, what looks after microbiota? It's dietary fiber, which comes from plants, right? So that's one thing I always look at. And so if I was to say to you, D, it's like, man, have this food without even truly knowing your, your microbiota, that's where I'm like, that's my approach. It's so important for me to know you as an individual and understand the best foods that are for you. So that's number one in my book. Actually, that's number two. Number one is it's got to be tasty because no matter what I'm giving you, if you don't eat it, it's like anything. It's like a, a customer coming to Barbend, right? If they, don't, if they don't like it, they may try. If they don't like it, they're not coming back, right? No matter what service or product or you know, readership, whatever you're providing, they're not going to come back. So if it's not tasty, they're not going to come back. Number two, yes, it's got to be specific to them specifically when they're athletes. And so that's kind of what I look at. And then protein, like you can get your protein from various sources and everyone talks about like, you know, plant-based protein and all these things. And there's no study to date that uh, says, other than one that I can pick up that says that if you have 14 servings of tofu, you will start to have a difference with your hormonal response as a male. But tell me anyone who's going to have 14 servings of anything a day. If you have 14 servings of kale or broccoli a day, you're going to overdose from something called glycogen. So like I'm, I'm good at knowing that uh, my microbiota is fine, even if I, just, if I don't have animal-based protein. So in a nutshell for all the listeners, most important thing is, yes, it has to taste delicious. Number two, don't just do something because your friend did it. Definitely listen to your gut. As a, as a best receptive way. And then thirdly, if you, if you really want to, you know, get into the weeds of it, um, there are definite ways you can do testing. If you want to know more about that, Dave, I can tell you about that. But yeah, effectively, is, there's, that's my philosophy around food. Well, let's talk about the, the testing. Say someone comes to you, say a high-performance athlete comes to you. They're looking to, I don't want to say dial in nutrition because I think it's a bit of a misnomer for a few reasons, but say they're looking to up their nutritional game. And they're looking to work with you on that. What are some of the assessments that you're going to do to help get down, you know, drill down to what they need on an individual level? Yeah, it's a great question. I think there's a number of factors outside of even the blood work Mm -hmm. that you have to take into account. What are their day-to-day responsibilities? 
what is realistic for them to achieve? So things like meal timing, can they cook? Are they going to get a chef in? So you always factor in those things. No matter, like, is the plan achievable? And there are a number of different factors to determine whether the plan's actually achievable. And that's like, are you a single mom? Do you have responsibilities outside of your current job? So we work that out first. We also take into account sleeping patterns. Mm. We take into account like, you know, typical hunger times. You may be someone who doesn't want to actually eat in the morning. You may not like it. And for me to force you to eat like during a time when you're not enjoying it, it's actually not good for your digestion. You know, your body will become in a stress state, which is, as we know, through rest and digest. And, you know, like that's like being in a parasympathetic state during an eating process is so much more optimal for your digestion. So I don't want to rush that or force it. So I really break down the individual's profile through a number of the outside means. And then I find out what they like. So I really, you know, find out what they like. I also understand their typical daily habits, which you'll find are much easier to adjust gradually once you understand. For example, you may eat three meals a day and you may be deficient in a particular nutrient instead of just subbing in a supplement you just say hey can you have this snack instead and instead of you go from three to three meals to three and a half meals or you may just need to add an extra smoothie in if you're having four meals a day already and so like there's there's slight little adjustments there really important to understand particularly with someone who going from two meals a day to six or two meals a day to four can be quite a daunting task and then the next thing is specific so yeah we I love using a company called Zoe and all, all transparency. I do work with this company, but effectively with Zoe, we have three markers. We look at your blood work through your fat response, your glucose response, and also we take a stool sample. And from that, we can take into account how your body's responding to specific fats, specific starch or carbohydrates, and how your makeup of your gut effectively is we can we call them bugs so we can look at your good bugs and your bad bugs and we can assess what kind of good bugs we need to improve because the bad bugs and the good bugs generally have like an opposite so like for example if you got a boot up of a big bad bug and then the opposite sides are gonna be weak so what you want to do is feed the good bugs so it builds up and out you know monsters the bad bugs and eventually that one diminishes and typically the bad bug will have symptoms associated with it so you know you may have I don't know, some, some, some characteristics on your skin or you may have a bad, I don't know, there, there may be a buildup of something in, in your system and you'll know that as a result of that, that particular bacteria being related to it. So we look at all those kind of things and say, ultimately, we can quantify it by looking at the data, but we also have to look at the individual and their daily habits and also what they like. They may be deficient in Brussels sprouts, but you may not like Brussels sprouts. So I'm not going to give you Brussels sprouts because the quantifiable data does tell me to. What I can do is say, okay, is there another ingredient or dish or meal that incorporates the deficiencies that we want to improve that isn't Brussels sprouts and they were able to cook and apply? And that's where we take the two, uh, two into account, if that makes sense. It totally does. Well, coupled with that, I have to ask, a bit about your current athletic pursuits and what gets you moving. Because I know it's an important part of what drives you. And I know that's an important part of the nexus of interests that you've kind of combined into a career. Yeah, dude. Like I've, yeah, I love sweating. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm so, comp- I think it's honestly down to competition. I am so competitive. I'm unbelievably competitive. I have a game of pickup that's like recreational once a week of uh, basketball. 
I have never played basketball at all up until six months ago. I played rugby. I played all forms of rugby variations. I love rugby. I love the contact. So I play basketball like I play rugby. There's unlimited fouls on this recreational team, so I can, I can get away with it. But my point is, I love movement. As I said, I love that serotonin feeling and endorphin rush of activity, and it really is my therapeutic nature. Mm. Right now, I'm currently doing a plant-based journey of building lean muscle, so solely doing it for 10 weeks to see how much muscle I can put on a, lean, on a plant-based diet. But outside of that, I'll be doing a marathon again. It'll be a fourth marathon. We're doing New York City at end of this year, November, where we raise money for an awesome charity. And in between that, I'm, re- I'm really interested in like the uh, high rocks events where it's like really testing your higher anaerobic thresholds, build up my life to, I'm not the strongest person with like a back squat, but I'm anaerobically really fit. And so like, if you ask me to sprint, you know, do shuttles, I may not be the the fastest cross on the first time, but I'll be the most consistent over five. And so that's where I really love to excel is like pushing my body to maintain a high repetitive engagement of my anaerobic threshold and doing so when I get back from, you know, the gym or work or wherever I am, I am pumped to work. I'm pumped to move my mind and that's what I need to, to thrive personally, man. So Yeah. All right, I'm ready to go lift. To be honest, after hearing myself talk about that for a second, <laughs> what's on the uh, what's on the agenda in your next in your next strength training session? So what I'll probably do, man, is I've got a circuit, and so right now I've gone from just doing resistance, so like you know your, your classic three to five sets, you know, anywhere between six to twelve reps. Um, now I do circuit stuff, so I'll break it down to like a thirty minute session, thirty minutes before warm up but it'll be just super tight. So it'll be like a circuit of five back to back to back. And I'll put a time code in there. I may even put a challenge in there. I've been putting on my Instagram stories recently. Like one of the workouts I just did was a 25, 20, 15, 10, five workout of assault bike, assault, um, assault bike uh, cows with war balls. And so little pairings like that, if I break a couple of those into a session, I love it. Um, I'm back into my Olympic lifting. So having a go at some power cleans and things like that again, just, just to get the body moving. So yeah, dude, that's kind of like probably what I'm going to be doing this afternoon for sure. If I did 30 down to five uh, descending ladder of calories on an assault bike and wall balls, I'd have trouble walking, not the next day, but the day after that. The doms would get me pretty hard on that. You'd see me shuffling <laughs> dude, down you? the street. <laughs> I used to, um, so uh, during COVID, I looked after, like my mates and I looked after each other by socially hanging out on Thursday night and I'd take for a training session. And one of the funniest things is we've got this group chat and um, the amount of comments I used to get from my mates going, dude, I am sitting on the toilet four days after and still still feel you. Uh, and I was all about that. So the fact that they were on the toilet in pain because of me, uh, was, it, was it, makes, it makes you laugh a little bit. It makes you laugh. It's one of those workouts that causes you to sit down on the toilet and just stay there for a while. You have to like muster. It's like a one rep max back squat to stand to stand up. It's like a box squat. It's a box squat basically. It's a box squat. You're like watching a whole series of uh, Ozark essentially on the toilet just because you can't get back up again. <laughs> this toilet turned into a toilet humor podcast really, yeah. really fast. This is the sanitized this whole, version as well. This this is shit chat. We call this shit chat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's the Aussie in me. Sorry about that, bro. <laughs> oh, no, no need to apologize. Let be yourself. Be yourself, Dan. Who in it could be in the nutrition space. It could be in the fitness space. It could be in that 
that kind of space that exists in between that you very much occupy any of those kind of like any of those buckets who in the space or a related space has impacted you really significantly in the past couple of years oh man i i've been blessed to have many people impact me and and both prolific and not i you'll know this man like every episode of a podcast you feel like you're doing an nba right you get a new episode of a guest on and you get to you get to do that. So like, obviously I do it. We have an episode every single week. So I'm learning every single week from some of the smartest people in the world. So I think educationally, I've had some of the most amazing gut health people on my podcast. They've had supreme impact on my understanding of the gut. I've had, so it was like Dr. Willie B. Um, I've had a gentleman by the name of Andrew Huberman, who's just a, the smartest person I probably know uh, as a, as just, I've been having a pleasure to talk to, but I think, um, I think, Probably recently, I've had the absolute pleasure of meeting this person who is honestly, and and this is not a name drop because I just feel like, and it it sounds like a name drop, but it's not, but this person has been someone that I didn't believe I'd have such a deep connection with like I have, and, and she is honestly unbelievable. The way she goes about life, the optimism she provides the way that she's responded to my style of cooking and, and she's really moved a lot of me in my community. And that's um, the lovely lady by the name of Drew Barrymore. So being able to like go on a show a number of times and the comments she's always made and the way that she's made, made people like, I don't know, you go on these shows sometimes and some, and, and it's, it's a blessing, but I feel like she truly understands the style of cooking I've always been wanting to do and be seen for in a way that's just related. And she, she gets it when someone of her caliber says that out in the open, it really impacts you because yeah. it's like, it's, it's, I'm not, I don't need reassurance, but it's just really cool to know that you are doing exactly what people see you for. You know what I mean? That's really, I think that's when you find those people, even if they're from a different walk of life, especially if they're in a different industry, I think it's really impactful because it, it, it validates the work you've been doing. And we create our own little echo chambers. And because of that, we also develop imposter syndrome, right? I think at least it's something I, I fall victim to a lot. So when someone from a very different walk of life in a very different industry can reach out and be like, hey, what you're doing really resonates with me. Sometimes that validation can mean more than everyone in your industry telling you something. Yeah, because it's someone who's not within the priviness of like, you know, it's someone outside the norm. I, I don't want to take for granted the awesome messages that I wake up to from people cooking the meals for a second. I do not take that for granted. But you're right. It's like people who would surprise you and just being able to straight back say how they see you is is incredible. And yeah, I, I my, the team and I know it. It's it's just a lovely thing, and I I think it's made me realize even more so to highlight people just out of the blue because it's coming from a place where people aren't asking for it and it just comes. I think that's the lesson I took away from it is, is to show, to, to give more in a way that's not obvious. And that's probably more impactful. If that makes sense. Totally. Dan, where's the best place or where are the best places for people to follow along with your work and your team's content? Yeah. Good question. I think like go to, Obviously, Instagram is Dan underscore Churchill. We have the podcast, the Epic Table podcast. YouTube is, I'm, I'm sure if you search Dan Churchill, there's a, there's a few of us, but there's one that pops up in my rude head as the subscriber option. If you want to get my, you know, my best three 
healthy kitchen secrets, head to my website, danchurch.com. It's a free ebook. And you just add your uh, email to the to the ebook and you get three secrets sent to your e-bo- inbox. And uh, yeah, Dave's approved of it already. So it's already all good. Yeah, and we won't. I won't reveal the secrets on this podcast. So you have to go to the website. That's <laughs> that's that's the key. That, I'm not going to give it out for free. Come on, come oh, on. No dude, one will ever trust is, me again. This is so good. So just a backstory. Dave just gave my team an awesome SEO uh, little play by play. So yes, he's he's been teaching me just as much as I'm sure he's teaching all of you how to optimize your SEO as well. <laughs> that's that's going to be ep- episode that's going to be the return of of Dan to the podcast a little ways down the wa- the line. Dan, thanks so much for joining. It's always a pleasure to chat. Can't wait to connect in person and visit the restaurant soon. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks, Beast. I appreciate time, man. And um much love to all listeners and make sure you like and subscribe and review this podcast as well. <laughs> you know the game. He's a pro, guys. <laughs>